Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are here this evening to introduce you to our competitors on Que Pasa 305. Money, the Chuleta. back for the front page 305 podcast and not just back but we are making our debut on our fifth episode it's kind of like star wars where they start with episode <laughs> four we decided to start our story on sirius xm with episode five your favorite sports writers manny navarro walter villa and myself andre fernandez bringing you all kinds of south florida sports talk a little entertainment guys we finally made it to the big time this is a big moment for Walter. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to contain himself. I mean, he, he brought the uh, sleeveless shirts to show off the guns. I mean, he's really yeah, – this is the debut that Walter's been waiting for. I mean, he knows the ladies are paying attention. He, he, this is all he, about he, he's got feeling the guns good out. today. The hairy arms are on full display. Uh, well, you guys didn't waste any time to start in on me, did you? <laughs> That's what we're here for, bro. Man, I'm the favorite punching bag. But go ahead. I'm As excited. As anyone that's already checked out our podcast on, on Anchor or Apple Podcast or Spotify or any of the eight platforms that we've been on, I mean, you've kind of seen the, the – we, we like to poke fun at our boy Walter Villa, and that's because, <laughs> you know, he was our boss. So that, that's how this whole little story of ours started. It's true. Know, we're, all, we're all working at the Miami Herald. He, he was our editor, but he wasn't a typical editor. He was the editor that would hang out with you, would, you know, talk crap late at night as you're trying to put the paper out. And a friendship developed between the three of us. and then. Later on, our careers took off, and, and you know, Walter became, you know, not just an editor, Walter became a writer, pretty accomplished writer himself for every publication you can think of at this point. And then Manny and I went on to become beat writers at the Miami Herald for many years, Manny covering the Hurricanes, you know, for the bulk of that, and later the Miami Heat, a little bit the Miami Marlins. Myself, I went, ended up being the high school writer after, actually, Manny started with the high school, I skipped that part. But I, I can. Yeah, those are seven hard years, bro. Those are seven hard <laughs> years that are unforgettable that we're, you're going to hear plenty of stories about. And you have already if you've been tuning in. But beyond that, then I covered the Miami Marlins a little bit. We both had the opportunity to go and write for the Athletic for the past couple of years. Manny's still doing that, you know, bringing you great Hurricanes coverage all the time there. And basically, at this point, we decided let's have a podcast. And so far, so good. So far, we're getting. Some listeners, I don't know where we're up by, by now, but we appreciate you for tuning in, checking us out uh, and everywhere. Check out not just our, our comedy and our poking fun at Walter calling uh, Dolphins coach Brian Flores, Ron Flores all the time and breaking into cars and mistakenly and Manny forgetting about Lou Alcindor because, you know, Manny doesn't, you know, can't think of anything sports related, you know, pre-1980, you know, but, uh, <laughs> base, but our interviews too. You know, most recently, we're going to show you in this uh, show this week, we had an interview with three-time Gold Glove winner Placido Polanco, former 16-year major leaguer, former, Mar former Miami Marlin himself back in 2013. And we've got plenty of others that we've had in recent weeks, too. You know, I had my own interview with Marlins shortstop Miguel Rojas. Manny interviewed uh, Heat legend Tim Hardaway. Walter interviewed former Hurricanes coach Leonard Hamilton, now with FSU, of course. And we're going to bring you plenty more like that, you know, not just athletes, coaches, but personalities and, you know, journalists within the field 
that have plenty of unique and interesting stories to bring you. And later on, we'll have one of our favorite segments, Behind Las Cortinas, Behind the Curtains, in other words, that we bring a lot of our experiences as reporters, some, some funny anecdotes, and just a lot of entertainment for you. So check us out at Front Page 305 on Twitter. And like I said before, we're on Anchor now. We're on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify. And most importantly, you can catch us now every Tuesday on Sirius XM. At noon, at noon, right? At noon, yes, every time, every day at noon. And there's going to be, you know, other broadcasts, other simulcasts of it throughout the week as well. Broadcast. Hey, Andre, interrupt just for a quick second. You mentioned when I was your editor and Manny's editor, there was one way you m mentioned how I related to you guys. And there was one way that I liked it. If I, I had a particularly difficult story for you or for Navarro, I'm sure you guys remember, I would tell you, well, here's the assignment. And this is something that's going to put some hair on your chest. <laughs> Well, right. that and, and if we if we always if we got the high five, it was a good thing. Or no, no, actually, if we got the low five, it was a good thing. If we got the high five, kind of like the eh. I was like, yeah, you did your job. But that, that's the way you kept us motivated all the time, and you know, it's it's translated. I mean, look at the careers that you know we've had now. You know, now twenty years, we're all. I mean, we were we were joking about how they they always combine playoff years. Our combined playoff years here has got to be over what now seventy something years. In a journalistic experience? 25 years for me. I started in, uh, in 1995 at the Miami Herald when I was a, a high school junior um, and then progressed to the sports department when I was a senior. I think Walt V, that might have been his 20th year, right, Walter, by the time <laughs> I got there in 95? We, we didn't use computers when I started. It was the stone tablets and you're, you're, right. you're nailing them. But, but the other thing, too, you got to give me credit. I inherited a, a bunch of, uh, I guess you guys were called clerks at the time, and part-timers, and I had the uh, the good scouting sense uh, uh, to, to think that you two guys might amount to something. So I'm proud of that, that you have. I'm proud of your guys' achievements. But, uh, yeah, if you remember, it was a motley crew, and uh, you guys weren't doing much of anything at that time for me to, uh, to, to think you guys had some potential. I've come a long way from covering the county water polo tournament back in 1999. That's all I can tell you. And you know, a lot of that I know from experience, from the experiences I learned from you guys and, 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 and I, you know, from the high school football scene to the baseball diamond to every, every other event that we've covered. It's been, it's been a fun ride. And I think people are, you know, hopefully people will enjoy some of the, the perspectives, some of the stories we're going to give them. And we're also going to cover your favorite teams in, in South Florida. And, and saying that, let's get right into it, guys. Uh, it's a big week coming up. You know, the Heat are about to play – the first of their three exhibition games on Wednesday against the Sacramento Kings before the regular season restart, which begins on August 1st against the Denver Nuggets. The Heat have eight games to go to figure out where exactly they'll be in the playoff scene on August 17th when everything begins. But, you know, the challenge of getting back on the court, it's been interesting to see how the Heat have been going in the bubble lately, but they've had some comedy and a courtesy of a guy that we're used to seeing some comedy from, Myers Leonard. Now, you, if you're not familiar with Myers Leonard, I mean, this is the guy who's been pounding beers and chugging competitions out there in the Disney bubble for days. But we, we know, he's, we know he's, a, he's a funny guy. He's a, he likes to clown around. He's been doing a lot of work, not just for fun, but even for charity. Like video, He's a big-time video gamer. We, we know his Twitch account is huge. He's, he, he's out there make, you know, doing things for COVID relief since this, all, this whole pandemic began. But if you look at his personality, this guy, this has got to be one of the most fun and entertaining players the Heat have ever had. I mean, they've had, the Heat have had some characters over the years, but 
where do you guys, where does Myers Leonard rank? Does he, does this guy need his own reality show at this point? Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's certainly auditioning for it. You know, he's got the hot wife. He's got the uh, comedic timing. I'm I mean, su- I'm, wait a second. I'm suddenly interested now. Hot wife. Okay. All right. Now Walter's paying attention. I knew, <laughs> I knew that would get him uh, interested. Uh, no, he's got, he's the perfect character for, for television. And you know, this team it's really interesting, Dre. They're going into this thing two and a half games back of uh, the Celtics in third place. And I've been following them. You know, obviously, there's only a certain amount of people allowed in the bubble. And even then, you know, journalists can't even come within five feet of these guys or six yeah. feet of these guys. So uh, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, interesting content and interviews being done by journalists. But certainly, you get to watch these Zoom calls. And I've been in on these Zoom calls. And these guys look relaxed, man. Like, and, and to me, uh, Myers certainly represents that whole you know, vibe of this team, you know, even though uh, they're, they're playing for a lot, they have a chance to make a, a run here. I think he kind of just represents the whole Miami Heat attitude of, hey, this is a fun locker room. We got a bunch of guys that get along well. And, uh, you know, when he's not uh, pounding beers, he's carrying around his big hammer, the Thor hammer that uh, you, you wrote about uh, before for the athletic. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's just an interesting character, probably one of the most fun guys to be around if you, if you cover basketball. Um. One thing I read about Myers Leonard that really made me like his, uh, I guess his personality, but just, yeah, you're talking about some of the fun stuff, but it's also, he, he um, was quoted and with some pretty deep perspective, I thought. And he was talking, because a lot of players are very apprehensive about the bubble and three or four months. And if you're going to have your family there, how uh, there was some criticism of the uh, Rajon Rondo, that it was like a motel six. So there's been a lot of griping from certain players. And then Myers Leonard had a completely different take. And he said his brother did two, two tours of, in Afghanistan, nine months each. He says, for a lot less pay, Myers Leonard said, I'm making millions of dollars. I only have to be in the bubble three to four months max. Not too much of a hardship. You know, so it was a pretty interesting and I think a very needed perspective that he provided. Yeah, I mean, that, to follow up on that, I mean, I got to know him from covering the heat for the past year a little bit, and we we had some time to talk even in the locker room. And this is a guy who's a very thoughtful guy, very, like, he's very, like you said, Walter, he, he really looks at life a little bit, like, just gives it that perspective, kind of looks at things to, to value, to cherish kind of like what goes on in, you know, behind the scenes in the locker room. And, and you could tell he's been valuable to really bring that chemistry within the guys, you know, like in only one year, I mean, this guy's only been one season with the heat and, you know, you talk about his value. He's really kind of brought that, that, you know, that helped the team gel really, you know, guys like Bam Adebayo now consider him brothers. And, and, and I think it's really that just that perspective of his, that that's really made that, you know, roster. And then you look at on the floor too, talking about just from the basketball perspective, he's helped a lot in the growth of Adebayo, just with his presence in the paint and the, his ability to shoot and really spread the floor too. So that's something that I think they were missing. If you look at it also from that point of view, they were missing since February. It's going to be interesting to see to have that back on the floor with him and also a guy like Tyler Hero who was out for a while. is such a clutch player. He was 34 and 15 this season in the 49 games that Myers Leonard started. So he's really important uh, as far as their success as well. Even though, you know, he may not play a ton. I think he's, basically averaging uh, uh, around 18 minutes, 20 minutes a game. But he, he's one of those guys that, you know, again, you got to give Pat Riley credit. He went out, he got him, and you found a use for him. And, and that's the one thing that he's good at, man. They know how to put a bunch of little pieces together. And they may not have the uh, the, the elite superstars that uh, you need to win championships uh, right now. But I like the roster construction. I like their odds going into these playoffs. 
Man, man, you you covered them for a while more than I did, but who 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 had a personality? I mean, I, I always think of Chris Bosh and jumping behind Jacks and doing all that stuff. Yeah, the like, Birdman, the Birdman, Chris, the Birdman Anderson, the most colorful player in Heat history. I have to He's jump another in one. Get... Yeah. No, there's yeah, who... there's been a lot of great ones in sports, man, um, down here. And but but as far as the Heat's concerned, I mean, right now Myers Leonard. Have you seen these videos of him on uh, on Twitter, man? Like the 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 beer chugging the the competitions that he's been doing. I mean, there was one clip. If you if you follow uh, NBA Bubble, uh, I think there's a, a Twitter account called NBA Bubble. I'm going to find it here just to make sure I can tell the audience. But um, it, it's it's a great follow, NBA Bubble Life. And you see this, this video where he basically has a beer bottle on top of a basketball, lets the ball drop. The, the bottle bounces up in the air. He catches it and chugs it in like three seconds. Whoa. I mean, this dude, he, that's a real talent. I mean, he is made for TV, and I hope he gets a TV show, man, because he's, he's entertaining as hell. He's been doing it the entire pandemic. Like, the videos sometimes that he shoots with his wife, uh, you know, in the house. Like, there was one where him and his dog were hunting an iguana near, near the canal like behind his house, and it was hilarious how he's doing, like, the signals, you know, like, those, like almost like those military signals to his dog, and his dog actually is, like, responding to it. And like taking a couple steps toward the iguana, it looks like they're in perfect tandem doing like a SWAT team mission together. And then finally, like the iguana runs off, and he's like, "Damn it!" So like little little hilarious skits that he's been doing. Who's a who's a Miami person who's done a, a reality show? Isn't it uh, the former Dolphins quarterback married to Very Cavalieri? Although I guess they're not married anymore. Oh, Jay, Jay Cutler. Cutler. Jay Cutler, Walter. Right. I, I was interested to see what name you were going to give him. <laughs> I was. I, I really was only watching her, so I didn't well, really Dave, pay attention to him. I was just watching Cavalieri. Well, David right. Sampson was on Survivor once, too. So oh, that's that. true. Good one. Yeah. But uh, switching over, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, also tease to you guys. that We have our Placido Polanco interview coming up in the next segment. Uh, you know, an interview that we both uh, that really liked because we not only got perspective on a former, from a former major league. Wait, we both? We're three of us. The three of us, but okay. there, hey, there you go. That might have been my first screw up. There you go. I know everybody was waiting for me to. E Andre, there we go. Getting Placido Polanco's perspective about the major league season starting coming up and talking about you know his, his experiences with the Marlins, talking about Jose Fernandez, talking about Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, and all the, and that you know the interview will come to you. You can find it completely on Anchor. We're going to have a segment of it, a fifteen minute segment of it for you coming up in the next segment. But guys. We got to wrap up this segment soon, but let's talk a little bit about the Marlins briefly. And I know, you know, they're coming up now. They have a couple of exhibition games against the Atlanta Braves before the season begins at Philadelphia later on this week. And then the Marlins will come home, start the home schedule, if there even is a home, a home field advantage of any sort for anybody with no fans now, against the Baltimore Orioles. But, you know, we're, tell, what do you guys think just about the, the approach the Marlins? They ha we know they signed a lot of these free agents, but – there's a lot of youngsters on the cusp of major of making their major league breakthroughs. Should the Marlins be focusing a little more on those guys and maybe playing more of those guys in key roles since some of these free agents are pretty much only going to be here for a few weeks and then are probably going to get traded? C. I know you're a little more passionate than that C. This yeah, was your no. take, Navarro. I, I disagree with you, so go ahead with your take and I will shoot you down. All right, no, I, look, I think it, obviously the Marlins had a plan going into the season. They, they were going to use these guys on one- and two-year contracts to help 
buy the younger players time. But now the minor league season is out the window. And so you've got a bunch of these talented prospects that are really the foundation of the turnaround, right? They're part of the rebuild, the guys that are supposed to play important roles. And so to me, I, I look at ages and I say to myself, man, this is going to be a wasted year. There's no minor league season. So there's no way for these guys to play. I, I don't see the point in playing a Jonathan Villar or playing a Corey Dickerson or any of these guys that are older, 29, 30, 31, that are not going to be part of the long-term success of this, of this franchise, you know, Jesus Aguilar, another guy who's 30 years old, first baseman. Yes. It's exciting. They got a guy who was an all-star a couple of years ago who could hit home runs, but really the future is Luan Diaz. That's the guy. Um, same thing uh, in center field, you know, right now they're going to go out there and put Jonathan Villar out there. Well, no, I mean, you've got some really good uh, young players that I, I think are more important to get them at bats this season than for them to take a year off. And so to me, Walter, before you even say that, you know, your, your case, I'm dead right. They, they need to play the young guys and screw these, these, these free agents that are meaningless. They, the Marlins aren't going to win anything this year. They're not going to go to the World Series with this team. Play the young guys, use the young guys, build towards the future. Wrong. You're like the guy that uh, booked a uh, summer cruise this year. You know, it's a good idea, but the timing is off. It's just not a good time. I mean, the reason I disagree with you is you, have, you can't just give the jobs to these, to these young players. They have to earn it. And also, why would you give up on this season when it's a 60-game crapshoot? You have no idea what, what's going to happen. Maybe, maybe they catch on fire in a short season. Let it play out. Let the young guys, if they're, that, if they're really that good, let them beat these other guys out and see what happens. Why, I, again, I don't see why you would give up on the season. Let it play out. Well, guys, I think we're almost out of time on this segment, but let, we're, let's keep, pick this discussion up after Placido Polanco. We're going to go to his interview now and then come back and continue this Marlins talk, which well, I, I was right. Think, I, I was right. Think, I think I'm going to come in and, and, and find the balance between you two here with this Marlins segment. But first off, let's go to the former All-Star, Placido Polanco. This is SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, it, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apola too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apola? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apola. Tongo Vailoa. 
That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Former 16-year major leaguer Placido Polanco has been real good to, to join us today on the show. Placido still lives in Miami, even though right now he works for the Dodgers as a special assistant to player development. Two all-star bids, three gold gloves. We're thrilled to have him here with us today. Placido, how you doing, man? And, and appreciate you joining us. Yeah, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, always. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about um, your job with the Dodgers, man. Like, what, what exactly, I guess, do you do? Um, what's your role with the organization? Well, basically, I'm involved in a little bit of everything. You know, base running, hitting, defense. And uh, it's a pretty flexible job and, uh, and uh, a great organization. And I, I think it's a, it's a good job for me to stay relevant in what I did for so long because I retired in 2013 from the Marlins. And then um, a, I, I was offered to manage a few teams in the minor leagues first to start. And uh, it's a big commitment, you know, to leave the house in February and come back in October. So and I wasn't ready for that. But the Dodgers called me and they uh, offered me this uh, flexible position and uh, it was an easy decision for me. So I've been with them for two years. Placido, I was hoping you had some great Derek Jeter stories for us. Um, In particular, maybe to get your brain working in that direction, 2006 when you were with the Tigers, of course, you, you were the MVP of the ALCS, which is an incredible accomplishment. And I looked that up today to, to prepare for this interview. And Derek Jeter, he went five for five with a home run in that first game to beat you guys. If you remember that, I'm sure you do. And then the next three games you guys won, held them to three for 11, not bad. So what was that like competing against Jeter? And do you have any great stories about him? Well, yes, without a doubt. Um, and and uh, yeah, of course, I remember that series because that's the, the year we went to the, to the World Series. And uh, – I mean, you, you you talk about Jeter, but you don't you don't mention Alex Rodriguez, Teixeira, Posada, and Mariano Rivera. They were packed with really good players, and we had a bunch, you know, of uh, we had a pretty good combination of uh, uh, new guys and, and and veteran guys like Pudge, myself, Maglio, Guillen. But then we had um, a young Verlander that year. We had a young uh, Zumaya, Fernando Rodney. And those guys that were coming up, uh, but one good thing that we had in that club was a good chemistry. And Jeter, I, I remember Jeter as being a super professional guy that, that stuck with uh, his approach for the whole, the whole time, for 20 plus years, whatever he played. 
and, and, and super professional. Jeter was the type of guy that uh, when I played against him and I would get to, to second base, he would like say something like good swing, you know, like get on top <laughs> more. Like he'll give wow. like younger players advice, you know, and even Incredible. though he's on the team, that how well, good of a person he is. My question is, can he be a great executive? And the reason I, I ask that, a lot of times the really Hall of Fame superstar athletes don't make great executives it don't make because baseball probably came kind of easy to him. So I was wondering what you think he can be as an executive and what do you think of the Marlins uh, farm system and, and their organization that he's putting together? I think, you know, obviously when it comes to, to managing the office or something, I'm pretty sure he has people helping him out when it comes to that. But when it comes to teaching the, 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 the organization to play the ball the right way, you couldn't think of any better person than Jeter. And that is something that, if I'm not mistaken, that is something that he did when he first came to the organization. He started uh, changing the minor league system and putting the right people, the right pieces, you know, in the right place and teaching the kids how to play the game right, you know, because that is something that you were seeing in, uh, in a lot of organizations where, where the players are super talented, but they haven't probably uh, played enough in the minor leagues, you know. They haven't been instructed, like, not, not the right way, but maybe – enough times, you know, because sometimes now you see a guy that, that, that signed today and next year they're in the major leagues. When we came up, it wasn't like that. You had to pay your dues and play in the minor leagues and go to three or four instructional leagues, play winter ball and all that. And then, you know, they would think maybe he's ready to play in the major leagues. So that is something that Jeter is, is doing without a doubt. I know for a fact that he has uh, you know, multiple uh, instructional leagues, and he has the right people in, in, the, in the farm in the farm system. And like any any business that you start, you know, when you're new, you know, at first the, the things can be rough, you know. So I think we just gotta give him maybe more time and, and see how the organizations develop and uh, to see, you know. But 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 he knows what it takes to win for sure. <laughs> well, I see though you are. Uh, it- it's such an honor for you because you are go down as the number one guy in the history of baseball. Think of everybody that that has fielded the positions of second base and third base, and you have the highest fielding percentage. So mm-hmm. that's just amazing to think of. So my first question, a kind of relajo question, is if, if somebody in the family throws you the car keys, do you ever drop the car keys? Uh, how are your hands now these days? I have more pressure catching those keys than maybe than I had when, when I played. Because if I drop it, my wife will be, will be all over me. And right. this happened before. It's happened before. She'll be like, what, what is wrong with you? You know, like that was a good throw. It was right in the chest. It right. Dropped, you know, like You're Placido Polanco. How are you dropping these car keys? Yeah, exactly. she been giving me stuff like that. And I'm like, so now when she throws me the key or anything, I better catch it. <laughs> so on a, on a I, the more other day ser- I dove for the key. <laughs> you dove for the keys? That's awesome. <laughs> on a more serious level, how did you develop that? I know you came up in the Dominican and you tell a great story about Manny Moda, the great pinch hitter. He was the one that got you to to Miami Dade College for the tryout and everything that happened. But the hands, were you throwing the ball up against a wall? How did you develop those those great hands? Yeah, the, you were right. The rubber ball of the wall, man, and, and no gloves. You know, bare hand, boom, boom, boom. And I remember playing that almost every day with my friends, you know, in my house, even though my mom would get really mad because <laughs> you'll see the marks of the baseball, of the, the rubber balls on the, on the thing on the, on the wall. And she'd yeah. be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and so we had to go somewhere else and do it. But You had to tell her mom one day this is going to pay off. I told her, mommy, look, it paid off. <laughs> and then, and then um, nothing. That's without a doubt. That was something that really helped me a lot. And, and, and 
I I love baseball since baseball since I was maybe four or five. So I was always catching baseball, playing, taking ground balls, you know, doing things related to baseball. So is, and is in the Dominican any- and in the Dominican Republic, we we have the fields that we have are not in good condition. So when you come to the states and you play in any stadium that you play here, it's like you feel like you're cheating because there are no rocks, there's no nothing. They're in better right. condition. So. Is there That's one guy that reminds you of yourself in fielding the second base or or third? Or is anybody that that comes to mind that man? He kind of reminds me of me. Well, the, 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 because remember, I wasn't a flashy player. I was more focused in, in, in making the plays. And then when you see guys, you know, like Victorino, guys that, that, that the, the shortstop for the Angels, you know, he makes the plays. The routine plays, Jimmy Rollins, those are the guys that I really, Edgar Renteria, guys that were really solid, you know, and didn't care about how they look, you know. Right. And this is something that I preach in the organization. Trust me, if you catch the ball and you make good throws, you're going to look good. So don't worry about being flashy, about being a hot gotcha. dog. It's just, and, and and the guys that are steady are the guys that really I, I respect, and I, you know, because I know they're there and they, they have their mind right. You know, they have their priorities in order. And that's, and that's, what do you think is the biggest issue in baseball now? We, it felt like we went through a time where, you know, the steroids and the performance-enhancing drugs became such a big story. Uh, now it feels like everything is launch angle and hitting home runs. Um, what is your sense of maybe the next big thing that's going to happen in baseball here the next few years? I, I don't think you can see anymore. I mean, you can mm-hmm. see, like, like now with the, the launch angle and all the numbers, you know, I think I don't have anything against that. It's mm-hmm. just like, for example, a where I have a problem is where, where you try to teach the launch angle to all the kids. For example, if your exit velocity of the bat is less than 95 mile an hour, you have nothing. I mean, forget about launch angle. Get on top of that ball, hit it on the ground like one pier. Imagine, you know, if somebody, uh, if one pier was playing now, you teach one pier launch angle, right. you know, and, and not to pick mm-hmm. on him because to me, he's one of the favorite players, you know, ever. But, but you know, those are the things, you know, like, Watch out who you give the information to. You have a kid from the Dominican Republic, you know, and then you start, all of a sudden, you start teaching him the launch angle and all these numbers. You're going to get him lost. You know, you might lose that kid forever. So make sure, you know, that's, those are the things that I try to, you know, make sure that, that we know, we identify the number. Now, if you're a guy that your exit velocity is 110, 115, then you can play with that a little bit. You know, hit it in the air, you hit it in the air, chances are it's going to be a home run. But that's not for everybody. So they, I've talked to a few managers that have won World Series lately, and they say that they love the information, but they also use their instincts, you know. That is, so you got to have a good combination of the information and your instincts and, you know, and the mashups that you're going to do to, to, to probably be successful and try to win games. You can just go by the numbers, you know. They're there and this and that. So also the guy, the guy that, that, that you're facing might be going through a really tough time, you know. That's something that the papers don't tell you and then other computer. So the guy is struggling, you know, so those are the things that, that the combination. And I, I don't see them adding anything else to baseball other than, than that I heard the other day that they're, they're trying to put on electronic umps, umpires, you know. <laughs> right, replace right. the umpires. Mm-hmm. That is something that is going to be kind of crazy. I think I saw a little bit of it last year in a winter ball. And – uh there's gonna be there's gonna be some misses because by talking to other players like the the, the ball low and in, which were like away from the from the zone, they will call it. The machine will call it. So that's a problem there. So 
I'm glad they're trying that, but I don't think that, I don't see that happening. So, if you get if you were to get ejected, kicked out of the game by a robotic ump, that would be a very embarrassing thing. I right? know that would be yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is that if you strike out, you have nobody to argue with. You know, you're out. Right. You go, go see. It. <laughs> but that's something you know that that even you know that as a fan, you probably like that. You like to see that. You know, a fight every once in a while. You know. Right. Especially when you have a game, when you pay for to watch a game, and the game is, they're throwing no hitters, you know, or one zero or something like that. You see no action, you know. So that's, I think baseball it's it, it's been great, you know, and it's been for around for so long that we have to be careful with what you know what we change now. I wanted to take you back too, man. In 2013, you're the year you spent with the Marlins. You had the chance. You were talking about power hitters and launch angles. You had the chance to be teammates with a young Giancarlo Stanton. You know, you saw Christian Yelich when he was pretty much just a baby starting out. Um, and you got to see Jose Fernandez his rookie year. What memories do you have of that season? And, uh, you know, just a glimpse into what you saw from those guys, you know, especially right at that point in their career when they were just getting ready to, you know, getting started. Jose Fernandez, just playing behind him uh, at second base a few games that I played, it was amazing to see the, the, the curveball, man. I'm, I'm like, wow, there's no, they have no chance of hitting that curveball. It was so fun to watch and to play behind him because he worked fast. He was very – a lot of people misunderstood him because they thought he was kind of a hot or khaki, but he wasn't. He was just sure of himself, you know. And, and he, that's the attitude that he always had, man. Super great teammate, man, good, good friend. And in Carlos Stanton, what can I tell you, man? This is a show. It, it brought back memories to when I played with Maguire. You know, the, the, that's, how, that's how good it was. But in Carlos, that year, was the type of guy that he started, like, flipping the ball to right field, you know, first round. And all those balls were going out of the park, you know, just warming up. And I go, he should do that in the game. If he does that in the game, the ball's coming faster. He's going to be a better hitter. So it took him a year or two to make that adjustment. And I, I thought it was probably – I don't know, when Barry Bonds came or something, that he changed his batting stand, that he was hitting more ball to right field, and he became a better hitter. And Jelic, probably one of the best hitters that I played with, and I knew that. I mean, a young hitting 300 in his first year, super quiet, didn't say much, then worked with Barry Bonds also, and, and, and now he's playing to his all his abilities, you know, like hitting home runs because he's, he's the tall kid. When he extends those arms, he, he, he's the ball's out. Yeah. And, and, and he's so quiet at the play, so consistent, such a good – I couldn't be happier for those guys. They all, forgot, all those three guys that you mentioned. And I forgot one, and my, and my bad on this, uh, Dominicano, Marcelo Zuna, también. El Oso. When, El Oso. Ozuna, Ozuna, my boy, man. He's also yeah. another guy. People don't know, but Ozuna, like, his last year he played hurt. Yeah. That's how, that's how, that's the type of gamer he is. He's a gamer, man. He played hurt. He couldn't play that. Play. Oh, his defense is losing time. Well, he's hurt. I don't know, but he's stayed there. He played all year, had a good year. And then, and, and I think Osuna, it's probably, if, 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 if going to have a classic next year, he should be number one over there on, the, on that team. Yeah. Placido, uh, I told you I wouldn't take you uh, more than half an hour on the time limit. I think we're, we're right about there. I wanted to thank you for coming on with us. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. And I guess my last little quick comment is if Albert Pujols, whenever he's first eligible for Hall of Fame, if there's a sports writer who doesn't put him in the Hall of Fame ballot, what are you going to say to that guy? That he's probably watching the wrong sport. <laughs> because, I mean, are you exactly. kidding me? Pujols, man, yeah. I mean, it's, it's impossible to please everybody, you know. But that guy, you know, he better check himself out then because it's, 
He's got the numbers. <laughs> he should be. He should be unanimous. Unanimous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. thanks for coming on with oh, us, man. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. We should do this every week. I really like it. <laughs> like I. Good. Nice. Good talking to you. All right. Appreciate You're the best. Great to have you on, Blasio. Thanks, Blasio. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the Playmaker Everything. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, that was our interview with former Major Leaguer Placido Polanco and former Marlon Placido Polanco, who shared some great stories with us. And remember, if you want to get the full interview of that, and plenty others that we've had in recent weeks, like Miguel Rojas, Tim Hardaway, Leonard Hamilton, even our buddy up in Alabama, Joe Goodman, who we had a nice conversation with the other day about Alabama sports and many other topics. Find that on our page on Anchor. You can find us on Twitter, from page 305, Kepasa 305. And again, this is our fifth episode, but it's our first on SiriusXM, so we're glad you joined us again. And we're going to pick up where, right where we left off in our first segment, Talking about the Miami Marlins, who are about to start their season. They've got a couple of exhibition games, as we said before, and before they kick things off up at Citizens Bank Park. And, and guys, I'm going to play referee here. Manny thinks the Marlins are making a mistake by leaning on some of these veterans that they signed in the offseason. Walter thinks, you know, you need to have some of that. You need to play some of these guys. You know, the, the time will come for the, for the babies. 
And let I, them I, let I, them I, let them earn it is what I said. Let the and players let them earn it. Right. Yeah. Let them earn their spot, which I know the Marlins have stressed that. Derek Jeter has said that you know, and the, and their whole staff, Michael Hill, everybody has been saying that this is a merit-based system and they're going to get their chances. I think it's going to solve itself in, in the end, because if you look at now the trade deadline is on August 31st anyway. And as we anticipate, you know, this team in a short season, you never know stuff can happen, but more off, more likely than not is that this team won't be a contender. So in the next few weeks, as the season gets started, the team will probably make moves. I mean, you look at also there, a lot of teams, especially like the Marlins are a little financially you know, and constraints because of what's happened with the pandemic. So I think they're going to want to keep the payroll reasonable for now, get more prospects, keep adding to this farm system, keep adding the reload. And I think that'll open up spots for guys like Lewin Diaz at first base, you know, for the outfielders, you know, eventually you're going to see Monte Harrison, if not right from the get-go, you'll see him in the outfield, Jesus Sanchez, JJ Blade, and on and on. And some of the pitchers like Nick Neidert, you know, eventually Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, so I think it's going to solve itself in the end. And I think we're going to get that happy balance anyway of seeing the youngsters and moving forward with this team. But Andre, don't you feel in a lot of ways that this was the worst thing that could have happened to the Marlins, this pandemic, because absolutely they, none of these yeah. guys are playing games in the minor leagues. None of these guys are getting swings and, 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 and at bats. I mean, the season is starting now, you know, in late July, which yeah. is when a lot of these guys were probably going to be coming up anyway in August. I get it. You had a plan in April, right? These guys were going to buy time for the younger players to come up later in the year. But, you know, all these guys are getting a year older. They're not playing this year. I mean, I know they're practicing and, and playing in Jupiter and playing amongst themselves. But to me, I, I think it would be so unbelievable for the Marlins in terms of just generating excitement from the fan base and, and getting people to start caring about the, the franchise. Because I think right now nobody's paying attention to them in large part because they feel like this is years and years away of, of this, this franchise getting to a point where you're going to see these guys playing. I'm not saying you got to play all the rookies and, and all the guys that are going to be part of your future, but certainly I got like Monte Harrison. I mean, he's 24 years old already. How much longer are you going to wait for that guy? I think uh, guys, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think guys like him, I think guys like, you know, I throw Nick Neidert's name in there. The ones that are right there that should already be up, should be up. Start the season with him. Lay with DS too. They should be at least on the roster. Even if you start Jesus Aguilar the first few games, then but make sure this kid gets playing time, you know, from the get-go. And, I, and I've, we've been saying that for a while. I mean, this pandemic, uh, you know, one of the effects it's had, it's wrecked a team like the Marlins because it's all about development with them. And all this time, all these guys have been missing out on the chance, you know, not having a minor league season kills a team like the Marlins because you need those guys to get reps, to continue to develop, and they haven't been able to have that chance. If you, if, but if you go with players that don't deserve the time and they're, and they're not putting up numbers and you lose credibility in, in, the, in the clubhouse, I think, um, I think they just – these guys, look, all sports is based on competition and these guys are going to have to prove their value. And also with, with the pandemic and everything going on, regular injuries and then some guys that might get sick, you're going to need a deep team. So I, I, I think they're fine. Let's see, let's see what happens. This is a crapshoot of a season with only 60 games. It's not the true endurance test that baseball normally is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the pitching too. I mean, even watching the Yankees and the Mets, you saw the, it's, it's kind of an indication, especially early on, you're going to see starters go three, four innings and a lot of relievers get used. And that's where a lot of these prospects are going to get a chance to get on the mound and start getting some innings, but looking, switching from the baseball diamond, we want to go over to the football field now and talk a little Canes, a little Canes football and, I'm going to throw it to Manny first on this one. Cameron Kinchins, 
a big get for the University of Miami, a big uh, commitment secured by the Hurricanes in this in the signing season right now. And Manny, overall, what do you think of the job that they've been doing? Do you think the to get a get like him, we know he's a big time uh, recruit from the inner city, but we've also seen the Canes tap into some of the big private school programs like Aquinas, like American Heritage, like Columbus. Where do, where do you think the is the strength of the, of the Canes recruiting right now in, in those terms as far as like which high schools are they, you know, attract, attracting the most prospects from? Well, I, I, there's a couple layers to, to answering this question, Dre, and, and I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, focused on it. And, and I do have a Hurricanes podcast wide right that I do for the athletic that I will plug uh, for, for fans who want more intensive Hurricanes coverage. I, I do I do a podcast there with Kelvin Harris, a former Hurricane. And I can tell you, we, we had Cameron Kinchins on our, our podcast. We did about a half an hour show with him, just kind of getting to know the kid. And, you know, he goes to Turner Tech. He's not even really at Northwestern. He just he plays for Northwestern, but goes next door to Turner Tech. Really smart kid. I think, look, what's happened over the last year, the hiring of uh, David Cooney, who was uh, a former assistant coach down at Southridge, played at FAU, was a tight end, a guy with really strong local ties, making him the recruiting coordinator, um, going out and, and, and getting Edwin Pata, the, the younger or the older brother of Brian Pata, the late Brian Pata, who was shot and killed, um, you know, almost 13 years ago now. Um, you know, he's an assistant guy with strong ties in South Florida. He's from the, you know, North Miami area. Um, and then getting Demarcus Van Dyke, um, and a former Hurricane who played at Monsignor Pace. DVD. Yep. Those guys, I mean, Cooney's kind of covers the South, and then DVD and Pata really cover the North. And I think what you've seen by what Manny Diaz did of expanding the recruiting department, you know, before they had a situation where it was basically one guy who was the recruiting coordinator, and, you know, he wasn't even from the area. Um, Cameron talked about it on, on, on the other podcast that I did. He basically said, I wouldn't, I, he goes, I wouldn't be going to Miami if it wasn't for DVD. And, uh, you know, having those relationships, DVD played with his father. They played uh, in the boys league together, all of those relationships. So to me, it's not even a private school, public school type thing. I, I think it goes beyond that. I think it's just geographically what Miami's recruiting department has done. Um, Manny Diaz, the smart hires that he made. I think that's been a huge factor. And then yesterday, you know, I spent about a good half hour uh, talking with Miami Palmetto coach, uh, Mike Manasco, who's got five studs, absolute studs. Palmetto's never had a recruiting class quite like this um, and, and guys that Miami really, really wants. He's talked about how much COVID-19 has helped the Hurricanes because, as you know, uh, the college campuses have been shut down by the NCAA. Players aren't allowed to take any official visits anywhere. Normally, in years past, these guys would be going all over the place during the summer. They'd be going to seven-on-seven seven camps with their coach. Manasco's talked about previous trips where he's taking these guys to Alabama and Georgia and everywhere all over the country, Ohio State. And so those coaches at those other programs haven't been able to have that face-to-face -face contact with these kids since March. And so I, I think between the COVID, the relationships that they've built uh, in the recruiting department, that's why Miami's doing so well right now. It's why they got 18 commitments. And it's not just Cam Kitchens. Last Friday, they ended up getting Jabari Ishmael, a four-star um, uh, defensive end, 6'5", 210. His father is the, uh, the strength coach or an assistant strength coach at Miami. He's been there for 16 years. And talking to, to the Columbus coach, Dave Dunn, you know, he, he talked to me about how the kid really wanted to take his trips. He was dying to go to Oregon to go see Mario Cristobal. And in the end, couldn't, couldn't take that trip. So, again, um, 
Miami's been helped by the COVID pandemic, no doubt. And then I think those relationships, you know, uh, of being able to know the kids and, and have deeper relationships versus what, what, what I think happened under Mark Rake that happened under some previous coaches. Interesting that COVID helping the Hurricanes and hurting the Marlins in our estimation here today. I think that's kind of interesting. And Navarro, to pick up on that, one of the things for, for this discussion that I, because you're the, the Canes expert, I've just been uh, following the program for about a million years uh, when, they, when they sucked. Um, but it seems to me, historically, um, they do much better with the inner city kid. The kid that, re- like, like, always think of Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson, I think Randy Shannon recruited him, but he would have come no matter who the coach was. His kids that really right. want to go to Miami. And I don't think, yes, we can, we can cher- cherry pick a couple of names of kids they've gotten from American Heritage and St. Thomas Aquinas, the two preeminent uh, programs, uh, private programs in Broward County. But I don't think there have been nearly as successful, you can correct me if I'm wrong, with those, those kids, those kids that um, maybe are more worldly, the Bosa's brothers who go to Ohio State and so many others that leave South Florida. Yeah. Am I correct, correct in, in well, stating that they have a, a stronger tie to the Miami inner city kid tr- historically and traditionally than they do to the guys from, say, Aquinas and Heritage? I, I think there is something to that, although I think there's really been a nice pipeline established with another private school that's been really, really good. And that's Hollywood Chaminade. They've, they've gotten a lot of kids from Chaminade here over, over the years. But that's a notch below Manny, isn't it? Well, I mean, traditionally, yeah. St. Thomas was always a a bigger program, but I I look at Chaminade. Chaminade's become the superpower in recent years, like in the last maybe five years. Yeah, but I kind of They're still not up to the level of of Aquinas and Heritage, if correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, in terms of the number of state championships, but I kind of look at Chaminade equal to American Heritage. It's a sort of, they're both below, a notch below the great St. Thomas Aquinas. And I think, you know, part of that is Miami struggles the last 15 years. I mean, I think uh, you, you look at the, the failures that they've had in the Atlantic Coast Conference of not even winning an ACC championship yet. It's been going, we're going on 16 years. They still have not won an ACC title in football. Um, that hurts. I mean, I, I went to an Under Armour camp in March where I saw all these All-American kids, Walter, and they brought up the lost FIU. The, kid, the, the Leonard Taylor kid, I asked him, I said, how do you feel about Miami? He's like, bro, they lost FIU. Like, I mean, so thank God uh, for COVID, if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, that, <laughs> that none of these kids have, have really had a chance to go anywhere and get recruited as hard as maybe they wanted to be. Listen, Miami's going to win the ACC this year because Trevor Lawrence clearly does not have his eye on the prize. He's getting engaged. Why are you getting engaged? You're 20 years old. You're about to be a multimillionaire. Can I speak He's to that love. young man? What is he doing? Are you <laughs> crazy? Wait 10 years. That girl will wait for you. Let me talk to Trevor. I'll get Trevor on the line for you there, Walter. I mean, that's we'll, we'll insane. So I think that, you know, that's, a, that's a, you know, they've had all kind of COVID problems up there at Clemson. Their quarterback is getting down on one knee with his long hair and he's getting engaged. What's going on up there? Inside the hair Carolina? flapping everywhere while he's proposing. Yeah, the whole thing. Right. Meanwhile, the Hurricanes about their business, man. Yeah. They've been well, doing their job. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, before we, uh, let's, let's transition to another fun segment that I think people have enjoyed so far. If you followed us on our podcast, you know, online, now you're going to get to follow us on Sirius, as we said before. It's called Behind Las Cortinas, which basically translates, if you don't know, behind the curtains, where we share some of our experiences as our long 20-plus year, or maybe in some cases 30-plus year experiences <laughs> in, in sports writing, in the sports world. And, guys, we want to talk a little bit this week about one that's very easy that I know we, have, we all have a million examples of, I'm sure, 
especially what in, in some of us when we go back to our high school football coverage days. But when stuff goes sideways, and when you're trying to file a story, what's some of the stories that stand out to you where something where how did you actually get it done? Where you actually got the story in despite all odds? Something crazy that people would be like, "Are you kidding me? You had to actually do this." Walter, right, you, I'll, you I'll lead first, off on bro. this. Yeah, I'll lead off on this one. This, the first, I have a couple. The first one that happened, you, you boys were both there. This was in Lakeland, Florida for the high school state championships in, in boys basketball. And it's a great event because you get game after game after game. And for, for basketball fans, it's awesome. And you sit, the media sits front row. I mean, right there in the middle of the court, right close to the action. So I am not paying attention to the game at this point because I'm writing. And uh, so my head is not really, you know, up looking at the ball all of a sudden the the uh, uh, it's an errant ball and it comes bouncing and it hits my my laptop cracks the screen and my laptop is completely useless and i think i had to borrow you know your guys computers I, and work on it and, and that's i remember how, your, your screen went all kinds of uh of different colors and it had a humongous like mirror look like when you crack a mirror the big slash going through the middle yeah and then the other two funny stories about the, there was another time I barely escaped getting my computer smashed again. It was at the Marlins press box, which is open. It's right behind home plate. And there was a foul ball and it came and again, my head down as always writing, didn't see the ball coming. Although with my vision, I might not have seen it coming anyway, anyway. And Chris stock, one of our colleagues actually caught it, you know, barehanded and he caught the, the foul ball. And one last story, also at the Marlins press box, again, open press box. I'm sitting next to the great Steve Wine from the Associated Press. And all of a sudden, a bird comes. Yes. You remember this? He comes I, flying. I, I was going to tell it if you weren't going to tell it, the pigeon. Yeah, he comes flying. I don't know. If that was, a, was it a pigeon? He comes flying at a high right. rate of speed. And he, I think he, he was one of my compadres because his vision wasn't very good. And he, cra he crashed into the into the, well, the the window this well, may be a different story if walter if walter's not old school we know steve wine is old school the guy who holds a pencil sharpener yes at, 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 on the desk there at, at his at his workstation that and bird so, right so the bird flying. yeah yeah the bird crashes into the to the window and steve wine jumps <laughs> up and he he is completely startled we're all just dying laughing at what just happened so those that are bird. those are those are three th those are three of my uh my more favorite stories the, the bird went head first into like where the where the, where the the window opens and yeah. all you saw was the sharpener with feathers and and <laughs> and, and, and the chunk of bird just fell pro probably landed on somebody below in the deck and steve wine it was like that line oh did i break your concentration <laughs> well i i've had so many uh instances over the years where it, i've been at a high school football game and mostly it's high school football because you know, in, in the professional. By the way, Navarro, let me, let, let me interrupt you a second. I hope you're not going to crush my story. Like if, if people didn't listen to last week's podcast, we all had a behind Las Cortinas story and you, you just blew us out of the water with your Barack Obama story. So I'm, are you good? Is this a, is this a Clinton story now? I, I, I think we can put the Obama pee break story encased in glass as the grand champion for all time. And then we can go we'll just move on and everybody else. Will what, what, is, is this, is uh, this, did you urinate next to Sammy Sosa? What are we about to hear now? No, I've, I've actually urinated next to Will Purdue once. That did happen. Uh, we were at the same same basketball. So you and Mike, uh, you and Michael Jordan, right. right? No, I've had I played basketball with Michael Jordan back when I was about five six years old on a cruise ship. That was another, but that's another story. I don't want to get to all that stuff. No, um, teasers. I, yes, I I, uh, I remember 
um, you know, so many times, different things that have gone wrong. I mean, being at a game, I've already shared the story about the time I showed up in the second quarter because I was filling in for somebody uh, <laughs> and, and how I was told to prorate the stats. Um, look, I, I've, I've had all kinds of experiences where computers have stopped working, the power has gone off. I mean, in Atlanta, I remember one time, uh, we get to the ninth inning. There's like one out in the ninth. The Marlins are about to lose, and then there's a two and a half hour rain delay, and we're staying oh. we're at the ballpark till you were the king of rain delays. I, I, I was in New York for for Marlins Met series, and and they, you know they ended up playing 23 innings or whatever the hell it was. The longest Marlins game in history. You covered it. I I have been through hell covering things, but nothing is worse than being on the sideline of a high school football game, and not only having diarrhea, but also. <laughs> Wow. Also having it's it always a, you in the bathroom, right? Your no, there's a lot of bathroom humor. There's a lot of bathroom humor, but no, I'm going to make this quick. So I, I was covering a game at Mylander stadium and um, it, it started to pour. I don't even know who was playing. It could have been Goldman, Hiley, whoever it was. And I'm standing on the sideline. The skies open up. My sheet is completely soaked. All of my stats are ruined. And then in the middle of running, to get coverage, you know what I'm saying? Like the, all of a sudden you have the worst desire to take a crap. And I'm running to the bathroom, holding my butt cheeks together in the rain. I finally got there and I got the job done. So it worked out in the end, but it was, it was a nightmare. Uh, that was probably my worst uh, experience as a journalist. I'm taking the Obama story back out of the glass because the fact that me los colicos made this show just, just blew me away right there. But uh, real, the, the one real quick, and I've got a, a bunch of these stat ruin stories, but one time I did an afternoon game. This is a day that should have been easy because I only had a 4 o'clock high school football game. Oh, but guess what? Piece of cake. Piece of cake, right, exactly. Plenty. It's not even like I'm driving back from Homestead to go help you put the section together, nothing like that. But by 6.30, 7, I'm driving back to my house, and I stop somewhere to, for, to run a quick errand thinking, oh, yeah, I've got time. It's only 7.00. I get back in my car, my car doesn't start. No. And, and then I have to get my laptop, get the wireless card out, and I'm literally, luckily it wasn't raining. I am writing my story. I think I even took a picture of this. I'm writing the story on the hood of my car as I'm waiting for AAA to come <laughs> give me a jump start and actually get me out of there. So I, I've spent the next, like, probably an hour. I, Maggie, my wife, comes over and, spe- and, and like, hangs out with me there, and I'm, and I'm writing my story. I finally file everything. I don't think this was with you. I think this was later on, like years later after, you know, once I was actually the high scorer, this must've been like late 2000s or something, but I get the job done. Luckily it didn't start raining or anything. Triple A comes, I stop what I'm doing, handle that. The car, the jump start actually takes place. The car is fine. I can drive home, but then here's where that reporter instinct kicks in that you have to finish. I probably, they needed the story and I filed the story anyway. And I spent like another 20 minutes just writing there, even though I could have left at home, but. We've got a million of these where something crazy happens. I mean, I, you, man, my you advice is just bring toilet paper with you wherever you go. You never know. <laughs> I, that's what might, I'm saying. You might have to use lucky. the stat sheets otherwise. Yeah, at least I haven't had those like terrible bowel, sudden bowel movements in the middle of games like 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 you have. But guys, th- thanks again for joining us. This was our debut episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, we're going to be coming at you every week, both on our Anchor, Spotify. Apple Podcasts. You can find the full-length versions of all our interviews. Coming at you. That sounds there. very aggressive, coming at you. Well, I mean, you know, Manny's promos are sound, sound like you're going to die if you don't get on Anchor, so I figured to be a little aggressive with this, too. But the big thing is now on SiriusXM Channel 145 every Tuesday at noon, 
plus a few rebroadcasts during the week. But the main one, Tuesday at noon, check us out. We appreciate you joining us again. And we look forward to our next episode and bringing you more from behind Las Cortinas, in front of Las Cortinas, and everywhere around South Florida. From Walter Villa, from Manny Navarro, I'm Andre Fernandez. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.